Hi, I'm Pastor Elise. And I'm Pastor Mary. Welcome to You're on Mute. Awesome. Are you using your silver mic? Yes. Are you? Well, yes. Okay. Just move it closer to you. Like put it, put it right in front of you. Well, now I can't hear you. Really? You, when you grabbed it, you might've hit the mute button on the mic. (laughs) I I thought, wow, that is powerful. Okay, so that's what I can hear myself better too. Woo. Yeah, it's funny thing happens when you actually put a mic close to your mouth. <laughs> well, that's right. These earphones don't have a built-in mic, correct? They do, but it's crap. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And so you you little... you wouldn't you wouldn't think you really needed to be that close to a mic for it to pick you up, but for like audio. Mm-hmm. audio forms of, of media. It really is. I mean, when I watch like recordings of, you know, either radio shows or podcasting, mm-hmm. I mean, they're like, like eating you know, the mic. Yeah. 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 Which is why yeah. they have these fun little screens. It keeps your stitch from getting on the mic. Got it. I don't have anything that fancy. I got old school. Well, it's just great. You know, I know you exactly. Old yeah. School one. <laughs> it, it does. It even looks like something out of the 1950s. It's meant to, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, yeah, it's supposed to have that retro look. I just, every time you talk into it, I expect to hear like, hello and welcome to Radio <laughs> Mary Anderson. I know. I know. Tonight we're going to talk about the best way to start your husband's shirts. Hang in, everybody. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it's like all of those announcers way back when they did all sound the same. Oh, I know. It's it bananas. definitely a radio voice. They must have practiced it and stuff. They had to have. I mean, they had to have. There's even, and we've talked about it before, there's even like the NPR voice where mm-hmm. everyone kind of talks like this and every sentence ends like it's a question. Yeah. <laughs> well, or like, you know, football or baseball announcers, they all sound the same too. Oh, God. Yeah. They're generations. I know. It's bananas. It's bananas. It's bananas. But um, yeah, people have said you have a very nice radio voice. So really, that's great. Yeah. I mean, help. People at Synod Assembly in South Carolina told us they they listen to us to fall asleep, which I'm hoping is a good thing. I think they meant it that way. I think they (laughs) meant it that way. That's good. (laughs) I'm taking it like that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're both educational and soothing. That's right. Who needs those other snooze apps and things like that? Forget about that. Just listen to two lady pastors talking and we'll put you right to sleep. Right to sleep. (laughs) We should put a disclaimer on the, on the episode of like, do not listen to when driving while driving. (laughs) We're operating dangerous machinery, (laughs) which is totally a car. You know, whenever like 
they tell you with medicine, like do not take and operate heavy machinery. I always picture like a forklift or like some kind of like construction machine, but they mean a car, but like they mean (laughs) a car, you know, it's like, that is the heavy machinery is your vehicle. But I always picture like, I'm like, why would they put this on here? How many people are popping this pill? and running a backhoe like that doesn't make any sense but well, then maybe it's like more than you oh. think. yeah that's true i mean the world is a crazy place for sure <laughs> it's an uh, industrial place too <laughs> I know. it's like oh just pop my muscle relaxer let me get on my tractor it's like i don't that's right I just, well, I felt like there was a there was a, a thing in the news the other day about it was actually here in the columbia area this this guy was mowing his lawn on a track you know riding lawnmower mm-hmm. and somehow it turned over and pinned him underneath and killed him oh god yeah so like the neighbor found him Ooh, ouchie i know so. yeah those things are no joke I, I see folks like mowing their lawn on like a pretty oh, intense that, I slope know. and I i'm know. like what are you doing it's like it's like you feel like they should have tied a rope to something and like hold tight as they kind of go down mm-hmm. this thing but yeah no it's it's pretty crazy i mean yeah, i had a friend from especially those guys that work for like you know highway department for whom that's their thing Oh yeah. Figure they got some kind of training on that, but still it looks pretty dangerous. You would hope. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend from college who grew up on a ranch and he was like out with one of those big industrial tractor things. Mm-hmm. And it was like that. It was like something out of man on the moon, that old Reese, Reese Witherspoon movie from when she's like 10 and the handsome teenager farm boy from the farm over falls off his tractor in the front and gets chewed up. And, um, that happened to my friend and luckily it was just his foot, but <sighs> I mean, he had this massive scar on the front of his leg from like the middle of his foot to the middle of his shin where mm. just, it had torn into him and he had to like, he was in the middle of nowhere. He was in the middle of his grandpa's fields and he had to like bandage it up with his shirt and like crawl to the nearest road and like wave someone down. It was pretty crazy. Poor thing. So wow. I hope he wasn't on any medication that says don't operate heavy machinery because he would have been breaking the rules. I know we're against that. We're against that. We only make good trouble. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah. Good old John Lewis. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say welcome to you're on mute. Everybody pastor Elise and pastor Mary here. Give you a we little. Are. We are we here are. trying to stay cool as climate change is burning <laughs> us up like a laser beam. The planet. I mean, it's like we're trying to hold our planet over a candle and to see how long we can we can hold it there. And yeah. I gotta tell you guys, I'm sizzling. I know, I am too. I, it's also it also just uh, drains your energy, even oh, younger yeah. people that I'm talking to who work in air conditioning all day long say, at the end of the day they can't believe how wiped out there are. It's just like I don't know, you know you think you think you're cool, but you're really not somehow. Yeah, <laughs> walking to you walking to the car feels like I ran a marathon or something. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, and of course you know I go to a CrossFit gym and they're too cool for air conditioning. Oh, no. So even just 
the hour I'm at the gym. I mean, it's a tin box in yeah, like direct sunlight. <laughs> and I mean, I, we had a long workout today. It was like a 40 minute grind. And, hmm. uh, I mean, I'm feeling it. Like I'm so tired. <laughs> like I just like, and I, I did mostly at Is there a point to create heat exhaustion in their clientele? <laughs> I mean, it's like just the culture of the thing. I mean, there's no heat in there in the winter either. So, I mean, granted we're in Tennessee, so it's not like the winters are that bad, but right. I'm sure in like Chicago, right. Their CrossFit gyms have little heaters that they turn on, but, um, yeah, no, it's definitely kind of part of the like macho. Um, I, I mean, um, honestly, I don't, I don't know where it started, but it's like a thing now, like no like legit CrossFit gym has air conditioning. Yeah. Like that hot so. yoga or whatever. Well, it's like, I'm thinking about going, we're going to see, uh, or we're going to England in a few weeks. Well, like six weeks. And, uh, <laughs> But just thinking about how hot it is over there. And when we yeah. were there in 2019, that was the last super hot time. And it was oppressive. And the friends we're staying with, they have no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, it was hot. And, you know, you just kind of opened the little windows, you know, in your bedroom. And then I also got, you know, growing up in the South, I got totally creeped out by the fact that the windows there, they don't have screens on them. Mm-mm. So you know, I'm like, we're like the only country that uh, that's puts how screens the, on our that's windows. That's how the roaches and the lizards and the spiders <laughs> get in. <laughs> what are you people doing? Oh, I the know. When I, but they when don't I have lived, that stuff, but they're probably they going to. They're going to. Yeah. Well, when I lived in South Africa, it was the same thing. But I mean, the architecture is a little bit different. The building materials are made uh-huh. to like keep cool, but it doesn't always work when it's a million degrees outside. Right. I mean, if you're in a house, you're in a house. And so I remember having to like make the decision at night. Do I want to be a couple degrees cooler? but wake up with a million mosquito bites mm-hmm. or, or do I want to not have mosquito bites and be blazingly hot? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, they would sell stuff in like the, the, you know, stores there that was like this glue stick that you could run it. I mean, it was, wasn't glue obviously, but it looked like yeah, a glue right. stick. You could like run it up your arms and like on your neck and your legs. And it was supposed to like repel the mosquitoes and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I remember I just ended up getting like this little tiny fan and mm-hmm. just turned it on full blast so that if any mosquito tried to land on me, it, they were going to be in a world of hurt. They were just going to get yeah. caught up in that <laughs> and they were going to fly off. And that Thank was literally God. the, it's like the only way I could survive. I'd worry about, summer. you know, over there, I'd worry about like the snakes crawling in my window. And that was also a concern. Monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> the monkeys also. Yeah. Well, the monkeys couldn't get in because they still had like, uh, like iron uh, bars or like the oh, design oh, okay. things you see on doors and stuff. Those were on all the windows to keep, I to actually, I- yes, keep the monkeys out. Um but and I'm not uh, being culturally insensitive. I was over there and the monkeys are in the trees like squirrels are here. Yeah, there it, there's the monkeys are basically the squirrels of that community. Yeah, I mean my my country coordinator 
would catch monkeys in his kitchen. Sometimes they'd like squeeze through the bars and they would hear this like clattering in the kitchen and they'd go in and a monkey would be in there like, Oh, oh man, they caught us. And like, <laughs> would run me. back out. Yeah. It was pretty wild. I remember going on a run one night or afternoon. And uh, so the kids weren't in school and there was a school that I would pass by that had like a jungle gym uh-huh. and it was just covered in monkeys. <laughs> Like they were literally on the monkey bars. Oh, that's so cute. They were like playing on the swings. I mean, there was just this like herd. It had to have been like 20, 25 of these monkeys just like all over this swing set and this jungle gym. It was so funny. I just kind of did this triple take. And I was like, whoa. It was one of those moments where it was like, I am truly living in an African country. Another country, yeah. Another part of the world. Yeah. And everyone else just going about their day, like, oh yeah, there's those, those, there's the monkeys (laughs) just hanging out on the jungle gym this afternoon. No big deal. Oh Oh, man. Well, let's get this party started. Let's do it. Um, I think uh, today we are doing a little bit of like what I'm learning this summer. Right. Uh, Because summer is kind of a time of continuing education uh, for a lot of folks. And I know um, like Senate assemblies are usually in June. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just got back from the Wild Goose Festival, which was this past weekend, which I'll explain. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of learning going on. Right. right And I I ended up reading um, because my book group wanted to read it, which we don't usually read theological books, but um, yeah, it's like a heavy duty theological book. So, Ooh, well, let's get into it. Tell us about this book, mom. Oh, okay. Well, the name of the book is doing theology in an evolutionary way. And it's, it's, by, it's by this guy. I'll tell you his name is, you know, he's from Ireland, which means that his first and last name are spelled a certain way and pronounced a totally other way. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm, I had yeah. to go, I had to go to the, I had to Google, you know, how do you pronounce this Irish name? <laughs> how do you, which fortunately is very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> um, so his first name is spelled D I A R M U I D which is Dermud. Dermud. Yes. His last name is written O apostrophe M-U-R-C-H-U, which is pronounced Omarhu. Omarhu. <laughs> yeah. So he, um, I think he's mostly a social scientist. He's also mm-hmm. seems to be part of a religious order. Definitely, definitely Christian Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual thinker, counselor, but he's and it's kind of somewhat jack of all trades and jack <laughs> of all knowledge. Right. He, he, he throughout the book will um, end on his website, make disclaimers about, well, I'm not this and I'm not that. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a biblical uh, scientist. <laughs> I'm not a spiritual director. I'm not, you know, they're like, okay. Yeah, okay. We and get it. it. Tell us what you thing, are. <laughs> right. Well, and he talks a good bit about, uh, quantum physics and right. quantum this and that. Mm-hmm. And Elise, you may remember, uh, Ruta 
in my book group who is from yeah. Latvia. She's the oldest person mm-hmm. in our book group. She's 93, Love retired uh, chemistry professor from University okay. of South Carolina. And she has difficulty hearing now and all those. And we weren't even sure that Ruta would read this book. Right. Oh, did she ever? <laughs> and so, you know, we were like, so Ruta early on. So Ruta, what did you think about this book? And she said, well, I can tell you, he is no quantum physics person. I was a quantum physics person. I got number one, you know, in my class. <laughs> yeah. And she's going on, but I can tell you he is not quantum. And I said, well, Rudy pretty much says he's not anything that we might think he is based on right. what he's writing, you know? So uh, <laughs> that was kind oh, of a hoot. And, awesome. um, you know, really, I just to, briefly say, I mean, the the book was almost exactly 200 pages, slow read, slow read. Um, (laughs) The thing is, everybody in our group pretty much agreed with what he was saying. Right. Uh, Bottom line is, he really um, focuses on the fact that, you know, as far as we can tell, the universe is about 13.8 billion years old. And one of my points is, how do we know where we are in the span of the universe? This could be the beginning you right. know, for, for all that we know. But his problem with Christianity, as well as a lot of other um, world religions, but we'll just use Christianity as an example. Mm-hmm. So all these billions of years and Christianity focuses on the 2000 years of Jesus on like it's the only thing. Right. And right. some, some traditions truly believe it is the only yes, thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he would poo poo that. And well, as he should. <laughs> right. So he really blows, he really blows apart. I mean, he's, he's very uh, focused on the unfolding of evolution, which he sees as something that religion does as well as the earth which i think mm-hmm. was great mm-hmm. let's try to talk about quantum physics ruda's critique aside um <laughs> globalization cultural diversity and postmodernism which i define postmodernism as very simplistically as there's no more truth with a capital t but all a lot of relative truths with a little t and um, I'd like to make a disclaimer that my mother, Pastor Mary, is not a philosopher, but she just laid down some pretty serious philosophy there, people. Well, well, I I do have a degree in religion and philosophy. That's true. (laughs) Okay. It's been a long time ago. Scratch that. Pastor Mary is a philosopher. So a lot of... um, as you can imagine, in his critique, he totally blows apart the Trinity. He totally blows apart the incarnation. He totally blows apart the um, the male centeredness of so much of Christianity and the model that was kind of made on that. I'm on and board with that. Um, just about everything that you can think of. And yet, 
I mean, what you're left with is a belief in the great spirit, which mm-hmm. is created and is still creating. Okay. And I know that's where, and of course he blows apart the creed and we had in, we have in our um, group, um, a man who grew up in the Lutheran church. His dad was a Lutheran pastor, but Mm -hmm. um, several years ago, he um, just felt like he couldn't say the creed anymore, that Mm -hmm. he just didn't feel like it had integrity for him. He's just like, I just didn't believe it anymore. Um, And so he left Lutheranism and has become Quaker. And so that's, that's a spirituality that works for him. And do the Quakers family. not also have that creed? I guess I forget uh-huh. which traditions use the creeds and which don't. Well, I mean, have you ever been to a Quaker service? Do you know what they do? Yes. Yes. Not much. Not right? much. They have a clerk yeah. who opens the meeting mm-hmm. and then everybody just sits in silence unless somebody feels like they have something to say. Right. I, I, I knew that, I guess I just didn't connect the dots that the backbone of that theology would not have been one of the creeds or, or similar Mm-mm, to not at all. Lutheran tradition. I mean, they basically believe that everybody has sort of this inter inner light of goodness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, instead of saying, you know, I'll pray for you which is mm-hmm. something we might say, um, you know, they say, I'll hold you in the light. I do like that. Mm-hmm. Well, we say that in our book group now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, like, that's you know, cool. And um, <laughs> yeah, one of the things that we talked about, sort of like if we're all still part of this evolutionary process, which why wouldn't we be for one thing? Right. Yeah. Um, I think what a lot of us might not think about is you know a lot of us say you know yes i believe in the theory of evolution that is charles darwin Mm -hmm. is my guy you know and and i see the creation stories that that most religions have as being mythological you know ancient people trying to trying to explain how did we get all this um but we often don't think of it as affecting every evolution affecting every other part of our life um Mm. Uh, one of the one of the things that I thought was helpful that somebody in our group said yesterday is that while he he like I said he does blow a lot of stuff apart he clearly still though believes in God or great yeah. spirit he I mean right you know somebody could have poo pooed that altogether as well and and he really doesn't yeah um, what we felt like was a bit maybe unfair. Um, or disappointing. And what he wrote is that, yes, these 2000 years say of Christianity aren't everything, but are they not also part of the evolutionary process? You know, mm-hmm. can we get some credit for that? You know, that, right. Um, yeah. You know, instead of just pushing it all away. And then lastly, mm-hmm. I'd like to say that one of the things that, that I brought up um, and I'll just use one example is, you know, in thinking and talking about evolution, I realized that, um, you know, we talk about it in such a glib way, like, yes, you know, there were these um, 
fish that eventually grew legs and then they grew all, you know, then they were able to climb onto the land. Well, that took a really long time. I mean, they didn't like Mm -hmm. just one day have this. And so I, I have thought sometimes about the billions of generations of say fish Mm -hmm. that were born with various mutations, Mm. you know, as the process was going along. Mm -hmm. And because I believe that that process is still continuing, I really kind of see cancer, for instance, as being perhaps part of that evolutionary process that the human body is changing over time. And perhaps this is how it happens. Now, I don't want anybody to get cancer. I, it's a a terrible, painful process on so many levels, but Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that is part of what's going on. And so we, in our group, we talked about how um, evolution really has a lot of change, loss, and fear. And then I was saying, you know, well, what's the promise of evolution, it really is kind of hope and newness and, and a new world. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to, I actually emailed the author. Um, Did you? Uh, yes, Dermud Omarhu. I, um, I don't know if he'll answer back, but I did email him because part of what I ask, and I will continue to ask, mm-hmm. is I may not be a philosopher anymore. <laughs> I may not be much of a theologian anymore, but I do know what I am, which is I am a very practical practitioner Mm -hmm. and um, in parish ministry. And so I was waiting as I was wading through this book. I'm like, okay, (laughs) is he ever going to get to the part where he says, here's what, you know, traditional local uh, Christian congregations can be doing in this process? now Mm -hmm. because we see the death we see the pain and the loss Mm -hmm. right we know we're mutating (laughs) yeah um see i think we're mutating not failing um but that's a thin line sometimes yeah Yeah. um so i wanted to you know kind of ask about that but then i thought well you know is evolution something that just has to happen and you have to kind of go with it or Mm -hmm. do you get to um, make some choices. See, I think because the church, I think, is talking a lot about what kind of choices do we make? Um, yeah. To, you know, so those yeah. kind of where we are. And then the progressive Christianity he talks about, which is wild goose is part of that. And, um, you know, he, he sort of outlines, you know, here's what the progressive movement is like. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think that's probably, you know, the part that he's the biggest part of. And so I actually went on um, the Wild Goose website to say, okay, what are, what are all the parts that they believe in? But anyway, I'll let you talk about <laughs> what that experience is. Yeah, well, I, a lot came up while you were talking about that book. And I, I think, you know, I've mentioned this before, but I remember you know, having a conversation with uh, our women's book group at Trinity, and we were talking about creation and creation myth and things like that. And, and she, one of the, one of the women made a great point. She said, well, a week to us is not a week to God. 
so we might still be in the time of creation, right? Yeah. So maybe it's only we like, week two, right? Or maybe it's only day four, you know? I mean, yeah, in in Genesis, the writer describes the creation of what they see around them, but you know, there's no mention of um, you know, God creating jungle or God creating, mm. you know, all these other things because dinosaurs. No, they, dinosaurs, right? Because they didn't see those things. And so I think that kind of leads me to think about, you know, well, how how do we think about evolution without thinking about how technology affects it? Because I think the study, when we think about the study of evolution, we think about the the you know fish growing legs and crawling out of the ocean onto land but what we don't think about is how how does people surviving acute appendicitis affect our body's uh-huh. development of an appendix down the road you know i mean cuz right. it's really it's really rare but and we don't know if it necessarily was something that's happened for forever for as, as long as humans have existed, but there are people like one in a hundred thousand or something being born without an appendix. And mm-hmm. so, and I that wonder about, cause... I wonder about the high rise of autism. Yeah. Um, and like different you know, neurodivergence, like and... maybe not just environmental, like we've thought maybe right. it's part of the evolutionary process, you know, our brains yeah, are developing. I mean, yeah. They're developing and, and, you know, the, the genius of some of the folks on the spectrum, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing. It's, it's incredible. And I think, and we do see like when I, you know, in my former life in sports medicine with the amount of anatomy that we studied, we actually noticed in different, in each other, that some of us had a certain muscle and some of us didn't, and it wasn't, Mm -hmm who was fit and who, you know, developed these muscles. Like for me, I don't have a palmaris longus, which is a small muscle in your forearm. And if you put your pinky and your thumb together and you flex your wrist, so you pull it towards your forearm, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to have a, a tendon that pops up right where your hand meets your arm. I got it. You must've gotten it from dad. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't have it. I have like a canal where, oh, wow. where that tendon should be. And so, you know, and there's, and a lot of it is just certain smaller muscles that we don't need anymore because of what our bodies mm-hmm. don't do. And some of it's just genetics and chance and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like but, maybe um, our, maybe our little, our pinky toes are going to disappear. Some people have said right, that. Exactly. Or, you know, um, you know, certain muscles in our legs will disappear because we don't travel hundreds and hundreds of miles anymore on, on our, on feet or on foot. And, you know, I, it's funny too. I, I remember visiting my best friend, Emma, when she was in med school and they were studying, um, the, the skull at the time and the sutures of the skull, kind of the lines that we have in between the Uh different skull bones that are very, very open when you're born. And then slowly as your skull calcifies, they kind of join together. And I've always had this weird, um, crease in my forehead that goes kind of from one, the, the tip of my nose 
across my forehead and across the side of my head. And I always just thought like maybe Colleen hit me with an ax at some point when I was a kid and dented, <laughs> <It's still> my, possible. <laughs> dented my forehead or something, or I just thought everybody had it. And I remember sitting there listening to all these med school nerds talk about sutures in the skull and everything. And I said, yeah, well, I've got this weird one that goes across my forehead and they all just like lit up and they were like, what? And they all like, <laughs> like came around me and all these little fingers started palpating my forehead. And they were like, wow, we learned about that last week. Only 3% of the population has that suture, you know, kind of thing. And I was just like, I guess I'm special. Like I got an all extra right. dent in my head, you know, woohoo. And so it, it is fascinating. And like you said about cancer, I mean, cancer is just the multiplication of cells. It's a gene mm -hmm. that broke and basically started like just overproducing. And sometimes it right. produces things that attack your body and sometimes it doesn't. And so why are those cells breaking? Why are those, are, what are those, they doing? Uh, yeah, what are they doing? So it, it, and how does our, um, environment and how we're treating it poorly, how mm -hmm. does that affect us and everything we're putting into our bodies, the amount of chemicals and things we're exposed to is either going to speed up evolution or speed up extinction. And so it, it, it is kind of fascinating, but, but yeah. And yeah. And then, and then doing that overlay of, cause we do talk about these things in, in terms of, you know, biology and physics and so forth, but then mm -hmm. to talk about them, what I found just so fascinating was talking about them in a, you know, theological, religious, spiritual realm. Cause I'd yeah. not really thought so much about mm -hmm. the evolution of, you know, of religion and what, and kind of what we're doing. But anyway, it was, you know, I would recommend it. I would recommend the book to people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> some of us in the group were like, would we really recommend this to just anybody? and yeah. everybody and it was like yeah. hey, we have to sort of think about it decide this guy's so, written a lot of books oh wow so when you say like he blew up the creed like mm -hmm. how like what do you mean um he does um oh now you're asking me kind of a hard question oh sorry but like but like basically he disproved he, it like he was like the incarnation couldn't have happened because of blank Part of his theory is that the whole model that we have, which actually starts in Hebrew scripture of uh, creation, uh, then the fall, kind of the sin enters, and mm -hmm. then we need something or someone to rescue us from that sin just doesn't make sense from an evolutionary point of view. That would be like saying that um, it, it makes it makes people seem wrong or broken. You know, we, of course, you know, in Christianity, we have this original sin, like we're born bad. Mm -hmm. um, and he really thinks that that is ridiculous, a ridiculous way of looking at people. And then, of course, Jesus ends up being the the one that God sends to save us from ourselves and, mm -hmm. you know, save us from God's wrath. And, you know, part of what I thought about was um, what he was talking about. I have certainly heard echoes of my entire ministry, 
Like yeah. I see how we struggle with trying to explain the cross mm-hmm. to, to really no one's satisfaction. I mean, there are a lot of folks <laughs> that are very glad to just keep saying over and over again, Jesus died for my sins. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been redeemed by the mm-hmm. blood of the cross, right? But mm-hmm. that's because we, we assume that we were all, um, we were all born bad instead mm. of being part of this evolutionary process. Right. Um, so that's, you know, kind of, that's one thing. So really by the time that he disproves sort of God as creator who created, you know, 5,000 years ago. Right. You know, it's, I mean, just <laughs> and then God was like, I mean, that's, that's not, it. We're not, that's not true. Yeah. And, God's then, still on and then kind of God's disproved, still on sabbatical. <laughs> And then, you know, sort of says, and we don't need anyone to, you know, save us. I mean, he's a great believer in Jesus and his call for us to serve and love one another, Mm. but doesn't see him as being this redemptive figure that that's something that we've kind of made up that, that we need. So really what he's left with is the spirit. Okay. Um, And and so that that's really um, where he is. So, you know, this kind of he feels like the the Native American indigenous cultures who do talk about the great spirit are really probably the ones that are the most right on. Uh, I mean, what weren't they right on about? I mean, I, really. I mean, well, they were, so they close were to the earth. <laughs> they were accepting of transgender people before we knew what that was the two spirited people. I, I, I got a book recently called um, rescuing the gospel from the Cowboys. And it's, uh, I, I really want to dive into it. I have like 20 books right now that I'm really excited about, but, um, and have not started reading any of them, but, um, uh, it's, it's basically about kind of the like intermingling of, you know, indigenous belief and Christianity and how they actually pair really nicely Mm-hmm. When you take away the colonization and whitewashing and the patriarchal society and things like that, that yeah, he talks about our, post-colonial stuff too, by the way. Yeah. And so it's, <laughs> it's, I'm excited to dive into it because the, the spiritual beliefs of, you know, native American and indigenous folks of North America compare really beautifully with Christianity, as well as like, I I've always in kind of some of my, um, multi-faith studying and, and learning about different belief systems. Buddhism is a beautiful pairing with Christianity mm-hmm. as well. Um, right. And like, not to take a, like, I don't think Christianity is like the top one and we're trying to find partners for it. I think like in, in relation, in equal relationship with each other, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there was a, a guy at my internship congregation who described himself as a surviving catholic learning to be lutheran buddhist oh come on yeah (laughs) so it was like it was like he kind of was combining all these and grew up catholic kind of converted to lutheranism but draws a lot from buddhism and then is also like a hardcore scientist and so you know he he kind of does all those things but um so so this author, he, he blows up the incarnation, which is Jesus's human birth. I'm assuming he also blows up the resurrection. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. yeah. Call, calls it a bunch of malarkey. Well, well that, that kind of actually segues into, into wild goose. So, 
So the yeah, wild, wild goose, goose festival. Wild goose is basically a, 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 I think a living out of what this guy's talking about, or at least in the, in the evolutionary process. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, wild goose is something that I've been intrigued by for many years. I think this was its 11th year, uh, maybe. And it was started by a group of people who I think a lot of them came over from England and there's a festival in England that is like this intersection of music, art, um, camping out. It's all outdoors. Like most festivals are, um, and then also well, they're like going to want to be close to nature. Right. Exactly. Spirituality, Christianity. Um, but yeah. And so it's kind of this, like this, the spiritual gathering and the majority of folks there are from the Christian world. But I mean, there were people that came that just come for the music, you know, like they just mm. come to hear new artists and things like that. And, and kind of, it's more of a spiritual experience, not so much of a continuing ed experience, which it can be both. Um, so it starts Thursday evening. No, Thursday morning um, is when you can kind of come in and set up your tent site. And then five o'clock Thursday night is kind of the first thing, the like opening um, gathering of everybody there. And then it's Friday, Saturday, and then there's usually some stuff Sunday morning and then everybody breaks up camp Sunday. So it's a like two and a half days, almost three full days. If you, if you, if you kind of take the two bookends and it, it is just that it's this intersection of justice, theology, music, um, and art. Uh, there's always an artist in residence that like paints during each evening session, which is called goose in the round. And mm -hmm. the painting is always inspired by like what's being said and what's going on. And it's just kind of this like free flowing thing. And they debut the finished paintings on Sunday morning or something. And there are local artists, seminaries come and set up booths, different faith communities come and set up booths. And then there's basically like 10 workshops an hour happening in all these different tents. So it's this big festival ground and some of the tents are bigger than others um, because it's just depending on who's there, you know, if one of the more famous authors is coming in, they'll, they'll put them in a bigger right. tent, things like that. And there's a book tent with all of these, like, you know, really incredible books and things. I got like five new children's books for my office that, one of them I'm going to read as my children's message on Sunday. It's called Mothering God. Um, and it, it visualizes God through a mother or woman. Um, and another one is um, God's Holy Darkness, which is actually, I know the, I know two of the three authors or collaborators of this book went to seminary with one of them. Um, and it's all about finding God in the dark because we, we tend to say light is good, mm -hmm. dark is bad. Um, but that has a lot of racial implications. And so um, this book is about like finding God in the darkness. Anyway, it's a great children's book. I highly recommend everyone go. It's available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, and so I went for the first time and um, it was, I will say a lot of boomers, a lot of hippies, a lot of hippie Christians just hanging out in their RVs and um, walking around kind of peace, loving Jesus. You know, everyone just looked real mellowed out. Mm -hmm. 
And um, we don't know why. We don't know why. Mysterious. Um, but also, it's a huge draw for the LGBTQ community because it is all about like progress, progressive Christianity, right, and inclusive, and, and, mm-hmm. inclusive and, and all of that. Very much a white crowd, not, mm-hmm. not much of a surprise. A lot of the presenters, um, I will say there's a lot of diversity in the presenters and speakers and things like that. Um, but participant wise, very white, I would say like 99%. Um, and in terms of my age group, we were definitely the minority. I would say probably mm-hmm. only like 15% was under the age of 40, 45. But um, it in, in terms of like comparing it to other continuing ed experiences, it was certainly topics that you would not see at Synod Assembly. Right. So one of the more interesting ones that really stood out was a workshop on Christianity and psychedelics. Mm. So basically experiencing your spirituality while on mushrooms. Um, mm. And they did not have mushrooms to try because it is illegal um, mm-hmm. still in North Carolina. Still advocating but it though. <laughs> still advocating for it. Well, it, you know, it, it was all about like, so the guy who was leading it um, was, I mean, if you saw this guy in a grocery store, you would not expect that he was a advocate for the (laughs) occasional meditative use of mushrooms magic mushrooms Mm -hmm. he was in it was his his, incense yeah exactly his incense he's an it was an episcopal priest clerical full white collar harry potter looking glasses very academic looking i mean the most casual thing about him was that he had khaki shorts on but i mean like he looked like he was straight out of like a new hampshire parish Mm -hmm. i mean he just was like very clean whatever and then he had there was a woman there who was is this the guy that said like the really weird thing and you said he said it like just like what he ordered for lunch but yeah so it was it was (laughs) wild because it was him and then a woman who works for the organization that he started and then two people two clergy folks who had gone on a clergy retreat that he led to Amsterdam because mm-hmm. things are pretty much any plant-based drug is legal in Amsterdam. Oh, okay. And um, led this retreat where they, and this is all like, I will say, this is all very monitored and um, like thought out. So it's not like they just like hand you a bag of shrooms and are like, go have fun, you know, whatever mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they, it's almost like group therapy and they discuss and then they, they dose themselves properly and have these journeys, which, you know, a lot of us would say they, they trip, they went on a trip. Right. Mm -hmm. But now the, now the official term is they're going a journey. And so um, this priest was introduced to it when he signed up, he saw like a local university or something was um uh looking for participants in a study to like look at brain function on these on psychedelics and so and like i think it was linked somehow to spirituality so they were like hoping for like spiritual based people faithful faith people um religious people i guess and so he signed up and it was 
two, two um, times, I don't know, I'm looking for a better word, but it was two, mm-hmm. twi- two times and he was dosed by a doctor and basically went on these seven, the seven hour journeys each time where he was under the influence of this psychedelic and the way in which he said it really opened up his spirituality, his relationship with God and the planet. I mean, I mean, he was talking about like, you know, that he was practically talking to the blades of grass that he was sitting on. I mean, it was oh. like everything and they were just kind of back and they, <laughs> they might've been I mean, talking just back. I don't, I don't know. I was not on the journey with him, Something but yeah, he said. did. I mean, all four of these folks who were talking about their experiences were saying these things that, you know, just seem so bananas, batshit crazy, <laughs> but were these like very real experiences for them. But because it was something they had experienced, they were saying it in ways, like I said, like, like you, like how you would say you, what you had for lunch that day, like just that casually, but they were saying things like, I felt as if I was reordained at the altar of the universe. And it's just like, what, (laughs) like, what does that look like? You know, like, Mm -hmm. what do you, what did you see? You know? (laughs) So, but, um, you know, one of the, it's like like John and revelation and his visions, you know? Well, so that's where, so they were talking about, you know, different kind of studies about, you know, were all these crazy things happening in the Bible, actually these people under the influence of drugs, natural drugs, obviously, because it was first century, second century Palestine. And I did some research and psychedelic mushrooms do grow in the Palestinian region in the Middle East and in Northern Africa and and in Greece. A lot of the philosophers um, of ancient Greece are thought to have been under the influence of these mushrooms. And um, so he talked about, you know, like, did Moses really see a burning bush and God was talking to him or was Moses, you know, having this like spiritual experience that was opened up for him through these mushrooms. And it was really, really intriguing. And, and while like, yes, there was part of me that was like, these people are nuts. (laughs) There was another part of me that was like, okay, but stop, you know, like that's how, you know, my thinking about that, that kind of instant, instant opinion that that's crazy Mm, is how the dismissal. Yes. Thank you. Is the same thing that I feel like I experience when I say someone, when I tell someone in my congregation, let's use bread instead of wafers. (laughs) And they're just like, that's crazy. So it's like, even though I might be on a different right. part, path, part of the spectrum, path, yeah. <laughs> it's still, I'm still dismissing someone who might be a little bit ahead of me, right. Or on a different, right. different road. So I tried to kind of like chill that out. Um, the only time they really lost me because for me, if this is true, then like, what are we doing here? You know, mm-hmm. was, was when he said that he felt like the disciples encountering the resurrected Jesus, you know, behind locked doors on the road to Emmaus, all of that could have likely been, they were tripping on something and just Jesus was this vision they saw while under the influence of these drugs. 
And could that Isn't be true? Sure. I mean, I'm not trying to poo poo it, but I'm just, you know, when you have a thing like, mm-hmm. you know, like he does, you kind of see it everywhere. Right. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. like, you know, it's like when your dog's not doing so hot and has a little GI issue. And then it's like every little thing you're like, oh my God, now they have cancer. Like if you're looking for something bad or if you're looking for something, you're going to find it. And so, but that's, that is where he lost me. I was just an interesting as he sees a lot through that lens. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of us do that. A lot of us do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We pick our lens and that's what we see the world through. And, and I mean, I remember a professor saying like looking through everything through the lens of the cross, right. Through the Mm -hmm. lens of this sacrificial thing. And so for me, like I am willing to pick apart a lot of stuff in the Bible. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that some weird, um, shifting of the tides is what caused the Red Sea to part, or that it actually wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, which is much shallower, you know. Or, sure, maybe Moses had munched on some mushrooms while he was watching his sheep, and all of a sudden a bush was on fire, you know, like maybe, but to to use those theories to like discount the resurrection for me pulls the cornerstone out of out of mm-hmm. our faith entirely. And so that that's kind of where they lost. And, me. and some people are, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they're saying that's, that's really what's next folks. Yeah. You know? And it's and like 2000 you know, years, isn't that long in the span of the right. world. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying they're right or wrong by any means, but it does and I, and I'm, I am more than willing to expand my thinking and, you know, really think hard Mm -hmm. about kind of what makes these things true or not true or, but there does come a time when, yeah, I'm willing to listen, but if I were to buy into that, my faith would be shaken. Like I, right. Absolutely. You know, it's like at, at some point, you do have to like live into the mystery and live into the possibility instead of mm-hmm. constantly explaining things away. I mean, you know, well, and the one, th- the one kind of, um, I won't say criticism, but kind of troubling thing that, that those of us who read this book had is that, you know, part of what, <laughs> part of what Jesus does is kind of gives God a personality. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, not that, not that Hebrew scripture doesn't, I, I shouldn't say that, but, um, but the Bible, the Judeo-Christian scriptures, you know, we give God a personality, a personality who cares, who mm-hmm. yes, created the universe, but also cares about what you and I are doing right now. Right now, a person like, um, Omar, who will say, yeah, you know, we create that because we need that. And what's but, wrong with that though? You yeah. know, like oh, I'll have you, I'm not changing anything. <laughs> right. I yeah. Mean, but you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going with where I am uh, mm-hmm. in this evolutionary process while at the same time doing what I think he hopes and folks like at Wild Goose hope, which is that we will really work toward being a more inclusive community, a more caring mm-hmm. community. Which is mm-hmm. what Jesus was all about anyway. 
caring for the vulnerable, helping those um, in trauma. I was reading Mm -hmm. a little bit about why they named the conference Wild Goose. Did you... Did you see that? Oh yeah, I love this. So I actually talked about this with I I led our adult Sunday school this this past Sunday because I'm preaching this coming Sunday. And I was telling him about it a little bit. There's a guy in my congregation um who the last like three times I've taught this class, and he's there every single Sunday. He's really, really Mm -hmm. committed to it. He has brought up aliens. And he is just really on an alien kick right now. And so I kind of said, you know what, you probably like this festival a lot. And so I was like telling him about it and, um, uh, oh, cause he, he brought it up one time when we were talking about the story of Elijah being taken up, um, you know, in In the the fiery chariot. And he was like, I'm just going to say it aliens right? There like aliens, like maybe aliens took a life. Like, and so he's just like every single time he brings it back to aliens, which I find that's hilarious. his lens. That's his <laughs> lens. Um, but so I was telling you about wild goose and, and yeah, it's, it's called wild goose. Cause in, um, Celtic traditions, the Holy spirit is not represented by a peaceful dove or, you know, even the image of fire it's, it's seen as a goose. Mm-hmm. as wild and unpredictable and strong um, and beautiful strong and beautiful yeah and and i gotta say like i dig it i i i really dig the holy spirit as a goose i just right. <laughs> i think you know and i in talking to my my folks i said you know because really you don't see a dove very often, at least not the dove we see as the Holy Spirit. I mean, we see pigeons all the time and pigeons right. are a kind of dove. They're in the same bird family, but the white, beautiful dove floating down, you know, you don't see yeah, where that. Where are they? But you know what you see all the time? Geese. Canadian geese. And they are flying everywhere and they're in groups and they, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah. I really like, I like the imagery of the yeah, Holy that Spirit. Is, that is a, a cool thing. Well, what do you think your, yeah. what do you think your, um, your biggest takeaway was from the wild goose conference, which was in union Grove, North Carolina, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's been in hot springs for a long time. And then hot springs, um, isn't allowing festivals anymore. So they moved to union Grove. Um, I think my, my biggest takeaway was really, I just the diversity of thought, you know, Mm -hmm. and even through this conversation, I've kind of been, been building this plane as I've been flying it. But, you know, I think we have these core beliefs in, in Christianity, which, which is, if, if we really like get ourselves down to the core you know, center around, and for us in the Lutheran, like we're this Trinitarian view of God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God is the creator. And, and, and then, you know, kind of our, our purpose is to love and to see the world through this cross lens, but we have added so much other crap mm-hmm. to that core, right? Like, you know, I think of like a baseball, which if you cut off all the string and the leather binding and all of that, you know, the baseball just starts with this really hard rubber ball in the center. And then there's just all this other crap. Mm -hmm. And I think we have packed Christianity with so much crap and we have like bound ourselves into these rules and 
belief systems that don't have a lot of scriptural foundation to them. I mean, I think about, you know, like, um, you know, like the, the, the new battle on, on Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court decision and how the majority of people really fighting, you know, against the right to abortion are these extremist Christians who, who are putting this idea on a religion that really there is no, there isn't really a connection between the two, but they're grasping at straws and they're finding it and just packing it down. And so what I saw at the, at, as now that I'm one of the insiders, I can say the goose, what I, what I, what I, that's what we say. That's what we say. say. It's the goose. Um, Mm -hmm. but no, but, but, you know, something I, I really realized was we could really afford to strip all that crap away and get to the core of what believing in Jesus means. And I kind of think that's what Luther did in the reformation and we have to just yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so whether you find your way by, you know, eating magic mushrooms and meditating for a couple hours every other Saturday, cool yeah, please if, do that if, safely everyone yeah do it safely don't break the law <laughs> whatever but you know if it's a if it's a if it's something that's not hurting anyone you know i mean i mean there was a presentation i didn't go to it i went to something on the enneagram instead but there was um a presentation on polyamorous relationships in christianity which hmm. is like so i mean if you think about especially really hardcore conservative Christianity, you know, a man and a woman get married when they're young, they have a lot of babies and they never ever stray. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that's it. And the wife is obedient to the husband and that's it. And while, yeah, we do see that in scripture. I think if we're talking about the evolution of Christianity, we can, we can get on board with the evolution of, of our human thought as well and bring that those Christian beliefs along with us. And so this woman was presenting on how like, she's this faithful Christian and she and her husband together realized that monogamy wasn't really for them. And so, Mm. but they stayed married. They are each other's primary partner. Some friends I was there with did go to this. So I got a lot of, of, they, they told me about it after, but, um, and then their other relationships are these secondary partners. So they still have that core relationship. And then they, they're kind of with other people as well in a consensual and safe way. Um, and while like, that's not really my style, you know, I, I have a hard enough time maintaining one healthy relationship, um, uh, romantically, at least, you know, for some people that is how they live out their best life and what they feel is Mm -hmm. what's, what's needed for them. And so, I think opening up our, our ideas and our minds to different ways to experience spirituality and different ways to experience God will eventually set the church free instead of what a lot of people think it's doing, which is burying it and kind of straying from this traditional view. So I think just an idea of openness and willingness to kind of at least hear somebody out, you know, like I'm not going to go out and go to Amsterdam and try shrooms tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I found the conversation interesting. Um, yeah, and and it's, it's so interesting hearing other people's stories and 
-hmm. experiences and yeah that doesn't mean that that you you know do them all or you know oh i need to just like that right but it can sharpen who you are and you know when we did our last episode where we interviewed a bunch of people and asked them you know what he wished the church would start and stop doing Mm -hmm. um you know, we think about how many of those people said in one version or the other, I really wish the church would be more inclusive than it is. Yeah. And so, man, if we can, in terms of me as, you know, the, the practical practitioner, you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to find ways to help just, you know, the local congregation in small town USA, figure out how to do that to any mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. can only be helpful in this evolutionary process. Um, totally. Yeah. I like this so idea I, of like evolving along yeah. with our faith instead of not evolving because of our faith, mm-hmm. you know, and when we say an inclusive church, that doesn't just mean to different types of people. It also means different types of ideas. I right. mean, yeah. or being open to ideas that we've known are true the whole time, but we've always denied or doesn't fit into our narrative. I mean, I mean, I always think of, of the story of Ruth, which is one of my favorite, you know, Bible stories. And, you know, the, the relationship of Ruth and Naomi was so powerful. And then we see them kind of almost using this patriarchal society against itself, Mm -hmm. right. As Boaz becomes obsessed with Ruth, like Ruth sees an opportunity. I mean, and we have to remember like Boaz did not fall in love with Ruth because she had such great ideas. I mean, he saw her working <laughs> in a field and he was like, that's a hot lady right there. I like what I see. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, yeah, it says in the Bible, she had this beautiful spirit, right. Which she probably did. It was probably, probably a big reason a for spirit. it. But I mean, we hope that they had a healthy relationship. Right. But Ruth also saw an opportunity and she seduced Boaz. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the real translations of the Hebrew, the Hebrew language, she did some stuff to convince right. Boaz, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it doesn't play the game. The, she played the game and it doesn't belittle the story. It actually kind of makes me like her more. I mean, she knew what she was doing and she was right. just like, she was intelligent got, about it. Exactly. She was smart about it. And so, you know, I think why run away from these things, you know, like give them a chance to, to, you know, doesn't have to change your mind, but it, you can at least let it expand it. You know, yeah, I mean, we're all pretty uptight though. A lot of us God, are pretty so uptight. uptight. It's just crazy, but yeah, loosen up people go to the wild goose and, oh, and, yeah, and, man. and dance in the rain and, um, <laughs> you know, go to us, go to a workshop on, on psychedelics, you know, why not? But um, I will say epic moment is I got yeah. to hear William Barber speak. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what was the takeaway from his guy? Well, for one thing, this man does not shy away from talking about how politics has affected the kingdom of God and is suppressing the kingdom of God. I mean, he did not shy away from from talking shit about the Supreme court. He did not shy away from calling out 50 years of bad policy. I mean, he said he was like, none of us should be surprised about what's happening. The Republicans have been planning this for 50 years. 
you know, like he took it and then, and he used, um, speeches from Frederick Douglass. I mean, he talked Mm -hmm. about how, like, you know, he just, he showed these examples, uh, throughout our, our American history that really were just kind of like, holy crap, we really are just fighting the same fight over and over and over again. Right. And his, his main message was God is not dead. Mm -hmm. Right. He was like, we still, or (laughs) done. Yeah. We still need God. God still needs us. And he was like, now is the time. He's like, every generation has a fight. He said, what was his call? Did he have a role call to action? Yes. I mean, golly, he got the, this, he got this crunchy granola white crowd. So amped up. I mean, he was like, (laughs) it is our time. He just said, it is our time. It is God's time. And then he talked about, um, it is our time to take the plow, right? He talked like he, he just uh, said that over and over again, like put your hands on the plow, you know, like drive the plow forward. Don't look back. You know, that was kind of his whole thing. So it was, it was fascinating how he was like talking about like the, the battle to end slavery and like the work of Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth and all of that. But then right. also saying like, don't look back, like put the plow in the ground and go, you know, he was just like, just do it. And, um, I mean, this man is just so smart and so inspiring. I mean, poor thing, his health is declining, so he's likely not going to be much of a public figure anymore, but, um, I mean, he got himself to the podium and then thank God it was there. Cause I mean, I feel like it was really what was keeping him standing. Well, he had, um, he had something that happened to him when he was younger that affected the use of his legs but he's been able to like doctors basically told him you're never going to walk again and he's managed to um and i think just like honestly a lifetime of fighting the system i think it's just taken Mm. its toll but i mean he still has energy and he i mean he can still talk he can still preach Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that was the first night he was like the opening act basically of the festival. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I could leave. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I can go. (laughs) Who needs psychedelic drugs? Who needs psychedelics and and faithfully building a budget? Like I'm good. I I can, I can go home now. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was kind Um, of funny. You said faithfully building a budget was a workshop too. I I love the diversity. (laughs) I know exactly. But yeah, I mean, they had everything from like, learn about Franciscan monks all the way to, you know, um, they had one session where uh, it was called um, drag me to church. And it was a an actual church service led by a drag queen. Oh, my gosh. And it was the and it was the most packed workshop in that hour. I mean, half the participants were huddled under this tent watching this drag queen preach and he was brilliant. I mean, it was, or she was brilliant. It was great. Um, I think I saw a picture of that person on the website. I think you probably quite flamboyant. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, no, they were hilarious. And, um, you know, I had great conversations with, with, you know, just people from all over the place and all of that. I mean, people are just, people come from really far away for this. It's, it's gotten quite a name for itself, but um, yeah, I made great connections with folks who are doing great things in the homeless community and, and feeding ministries and got some great ideas from people. And 
um, reconnected with folks from different parts of my of my life that I did not expect to be there, but then they were, and that was a really cool surprise. And um, yeah, it was well, great. That's that's great. And so we've had some good um, summer school experiences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hope that hope that continues and hope that uh, the, um, our listeners are having some good learning experiences this summer, too. It's a great time to do it because I always feel like once um, once Labor Day hits, you know, church stuff kind of is a snowball rolling downhill till Christmas Eve. And that was the next break you get is the Christmas yeah, break. So, yeah, exactly. And then it's another snowball to Easter, but, right. um, but Hey, you know, email us and tell us about what you're learning. And, and if you want to mm-hmm. share anything that you found really, really fascinating or any story that's popped up for you, um, shoot yeah. us an email either or message either one of us on Facebook. Um, and the email for the podcast give them the is email you- again. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, you're on mute pod at Gmail. So, um, no, no punctuation, no spaces, but it's your on mute pod at gmail.com. And, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We would. Thanks for the conversation. And, uh, I'm glad you got to go to that conference this year. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping to go back next year. It'll be fun. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of the summer, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I don't say see you next time. Well, well yeah, hope yeah. you listen next time. <laughs> you listen next time. <laughs> Our dozens of listeners, right? Do- around the world. <laughs> around the world. That's right. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, we can't wait to uh, bring you guys another episode sooner rather than later. And um, yeah, take care and uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.